0: Shalom and welcome to Witcast. This is Rico Cortez from Wisdom and Torah and Ministries, and we are going to be having some really cool discussions with two of my great friends and also colleagues and student teachers, all kinds of stuff Ryan White and Dina Dai. We've been covering some very intensive studies on Genesis, the garden, the function of 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 Adam, the function of humanity as the gardeners of the kingdom, and we keep coming up with really cool information and making some good connections. So, let's introduce our panel of discussion for today. Uh, Dina Dai, say hello. Hello, Dina Dai. How are you? I'm glad you're doing good. Ryan White. <laughs> hey, everyone. The the manly voice came in. Hey, everyone. Yeah. I, I had to man it up a little bit.
1: <laughs> you have to understand. I'm in a sea of testosterone. So so is that what it is?
0: <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. So let's get focused on what we are here to do. Now, you know as well as I do that uh, as we study the Bible, there are many metaphors. And Ryan, you were talking about it today in the study. Mm -hmm. In which, for example, in the book of Revelation, chapters 21, verse 1 through 7, you mentioned very well done, by the way. a Good job on that Torah portion. How the book of Revelation speaks about no more seas and no more sun. Explain on that from an ancient Near Eastern perspective.
2: Yeah, so uh, well, the seas is pretty easy. Uh, the seas are represent chaos, and so uh, the the whole uh, thrust of the Book of Revelation is going from chaos to order, and so that's where we see uh, there no being no more seas is, is representation. But uh, what I really liked is that a lot of people don't pick up on is in the the end of chapter 21 and the beginning of chapter 22, it says that there will be no need for the sun or the moon, for the God himself will be the light, and Yeshua will be the light. And we, we ask ourselves the question, does that mean that we're going to be on a planet, you know, shooting through space without a, a, a sun around? No, that's not at all what it's trying to talk about. You see, in Almost every ancient Near Eastern document written by a king, we always see him referring to himself as the son. That was his claim on being a righteous king, even though just like our politicians today all claim to be righteous, and in fact they are actually corrupt. Well, um, that was the whole thing. So you
0: see that in uh, ancient Near Eastern texts by Pritchard.
2: Yeah, when you start reading that, all the treaties, you see that. that. That's where I got the quote from, from mm-hmm. the prologue to Hammurabi, it was right out of there. Yeah, so So, the the whole idea there is not that there's not going to be a literal sun in the sky in the New Jerusalem. It's that there will be no more unjust human kingship.
1: Right. Well, this has been the message, I think, all through Sukkot. We've been talking about kingship. And... I I brought that up because we really have to go back to Genesis and the fourth day of creation because it talks about the, the sun and the moon governing, there's, you know, the day and the night, and the word in there, mashal, is dominion, to have dominion, and then we jump over and we see the dream of Joseph in which Jacob, and that's a king family, Jacob represents king as the sun, Rachel as the moon, and the stars being the bros, so... The world of the ancient Near East, the king's domain, was heaven. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of language in scripture about this heavenly stuff going on. And of course, we've taken it into the utter, outer worldly realm instead of bringing it down to something concrete.
0: So the throne can be heaven. The temple is heaven.
1: Yes, because so that's... those are idioms. Yeah, because when... When you went up to Jerusalem and went into the temple, it was as though you were entering into heaven. Well, the king's domain would have been the Holy of Holies, right? The throne. So all this heavenly language, and we were talking about it earlier, especially like in Matthew 24, the sun darkening, the moon turning to blood, this is all dealing with legitimate, concrete kings and empires.
0: Failure of kingship. Exactly. So I, I have a question. So would you you agree with me that in order for us to have a greater understanding of the Torah, the Prophets, and the New Testament, specifically the book of Revelation, we have to consider what John Walton always says, that the Bible was written for us but not to us, that we have to look into the language of the world that the Bible was written in. Otherwise, we're not going to get it. For example, Ryan, you make mention of this when we were doing imperial cult studies, in which you say that you know the Book of Revelations written at the time from when the Roman Empire was the biggest oppressor. So the yeah. the 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 um, Caesar would have been a pro a type of the anti or what you call the, it. This the, the beast, the, the beast, yeah, the absolutely. beast. So the empire would have been the one sitting on... Oh,
2: got you. there, And there's something really cool. I, I never realized this. I started reading this book, Unveiling Empire, because a lot of scholarship had pointed to, oh, well, during the time of Revelation, there was a lot of oppression, uh, which which actually did not occur. The, the Christians' communities, or the, the, you know, the seven assemblies, actually were not being oppressed That's true. very much yeah. by the Roman government. That was old scholarship. They found that they were actually very. living a life of mm-hmm. luxury, kind of like in the U.S. I mean, the the, the Romans would come in, and yeah, they would conquer you, they would slaughter you, but then they'd bring in public toilets, aqueducts with water, you, infrastructure, and you for, you begin to forget that all of this was built on blood. Right. And so that's the whole idea of the Revelation, the Apocalypse. It's revealing, you think life is nice, but behind the
0: scenes, behind this curtain, is this wicked, evil empire. So, so what do you think we've missed it in the book of Revelation, which you hear all kinds of people have different opinions what is the common denominator what allows us to be in one accord when we look at the book of revelation i have an opinion on this and i'd like to share it with you and then you tell me if you agree with me i have i believed i believe today that if we do not study the book of revelation from the context of temple and also understanding those idioms then we're going to really miss the ball
1: well, i could i mean i i've been saying this for years And so we've taken it out of its cultural, historical, linguistic context, and now all we have left with is our current, modern-day thinking. We insert that into the book, and we come up with all kinds of fantastical things.
0: So if we don't understand Genesis from a cosmological perspective, we're not going to get the Book of Revelation.
1: I don't see how it's even possible, because it's laying the foundation, and it is establishing those metaphors and idioms. And so we have to go back there. I think... Genesis pretty much contains all of them. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, similar. And then we'll see the thread through the rest of the Bible.
2: I think one thing that's really important in the book of Revelation is to ask the question, why did people find this so life-changing, so important, that they decided, decided to preserve this letter and make it part of the Bible? If it is, as we've been taught, just something that's future to our day, that then the obvious conclusion was that it meant nothing to the people. That John was writing these seven, these letters, it's almost to. like
1: he didn't write it to them.
2: And and so then right. you gotta ask your question: Why would they ever bother to preserve it? Why would he even make it into our Bibles? And
0: Everything's cyclical, though. I mean, we've seen when you talk the story of Daniel, you know, and you have the the whole cyclical pattern of some 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 big oppressor coming over mm-hmm. and defiling the holy things, disturbing the people, oppressing everyone. Uh, we've seen that with uh, the the Hasmonian family in yeah. the time of Antiochus. The destruction of the temple. The destruction and of the temple. It, 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 well, it's even explaining, hidden. yeah, it, it's
2: a pattern of the kingdom of darkness. That's, it's so what, revealing the patterns it's of the, the kingdom ba- of darkness. The
1: Bible is the battle between the kingdoms of this world, the nations, and the kingdom of okay, God. The, the whole hand. Bible is just this chaos okay, yes, versus order. Yeah, all so, the way through.
0: Okay, so when then, I'll be studying a lot. I'm going to throw it in here because I'm fascinated by the topic. Uh, I'm really finding a lot about the judgment against Israel always comes when Israel becomes an immoral impure nation. So, the key here, and the rabbis say this, even the rabbis tell you, you know, if Israel will keep the Sabbath right one time, as Sabbath will come. And I never understood that. I always thought, that's kind of strange. I think I got it now. If Israel would handle themselves with the way they're supposed to from the beginning, and they become a moral nation, not focusing so much on the ritual aspect of it, but focusing on the moral aspect of, you know, of purity, you know, then we will be able to have the right example of what God wants from us. You have a
1: total breakdown of society when you remove the moral imperative. This that, happening now in uh, America. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what, was it, wasn't it? it Adams that said that the Constitution was for a moral people and completely inadequate for any other people? And we're seeing mm-hmm. that played out now uh, in our modern world. I, I think you cannot remove that component. Because so, everything will collapse.
0: Yeah, you so, would you, are, so would, you, would you then agree with me uh, that we are definitely in the times of Noah in the sense that I never understood what Yeshua really meant. You know, it, it's like us in the time of Noah. Well, wait a minute, what does that mean? Oppression. Yes. You know, that was really the reason why the Lord destroyed earth at that time. It's because oppressing one another, murder, that's moral impurities. But at the same time, you notice that he brings up. He says,
2: "As in the days of Noah, they're giving in marriage; they're going about their everyday lives, even though this oppression is going on. People are blinded to it."
1: But I actually think it's a little. It goes even a step further that he's actually talking about things within the temple, the marrying and giving marriage, the priesthood. Because I would maintain, morally
0: incorrupt in the first century. I would maintain
1: that the story of Noah. was seen through the Babylonian exile, and so leading up to that, the the temple had become corrupt, and so and all the things that went on with the shemitah, etc., and they were exiled. Yeah. So, I, I there's a component it, there. It had become a
2: political arm of the exactly. government, basically. A lot of people don't realize it yeah. was Herod who was appointing. The high priest. Right. and it was—it was actually political... they
0: have to buy from the Romans. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but but you know? and, and but they're choosing. It wasn't just right. based on money. It was based on who's going to uphold my agenda. Just like how you see what's going on in the U.S. today with all these political appointees, and Trump gets Same in
0: office, and and they're maintaining the agenda of the guy that they appointed him beforehand. Same thing. I mean, I can see if you really—and this is not a comparison, God forbid—but if you see what's happening right now politically in America. I mean, Yeshua is dealing with the same issues. Absolutely. He is trying to clean the swamp.
1: Yeah, and the swamp, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Well, he, and the people are having to face uh, the Roman world, yeah. King Herod and his cronies, and the, the corruption of the temple leadership. Yeah, it's is... a three-pronged attack right. against the people. Well, that's
0: really what's happening now. I mean, you see the local leadership, the national leadership, and even the judicial. Yeah. Every time he brings out a, you know, something, some kind of... You know, law, they, there's a judge somewhere who just completely blocks it. So it makes you realize we are going into real dangerous grounds. And it's interesting that it is now, based on all the things that's happening, that socialism is creeping into the whole scope, which means yeah. that's the ultimate form of, of oppression. oppression yeah. 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 I mean, we are going into real dark, dark times if we don't change. So, well,
1: we you know in modern day we call it socialism, but I mean if we go back to the empires yeah. of old, it's really the same thing that yeah. the government controls the production of it, all. It, it's goods imperial cult. And, and, it's worship yeah, of the government. Exactly. The government is
2: your provider. Yeah. Um, and that's that's really why I've felt heavily that the Book of Revelation needs to. We need to reevaluate it rather than looking at it as something in the future. Look at it as speaking to us now. What is it saying to us now? What is it telling us? What is it unveiling about our world right now? Where, the, where, where are the beast systems yeah, yeah. in this world today? I mean, we, ISIS. we, we see yeah, Islam, ISIS, especially ISIS, communism, yeah. globalism, all of these things Fascism have those those traits that the Roman Empire. So okay,
0: had. so you're talking about then the Book of Revelation should be taken as a um, a an um, uh, an explanation as to how nations are behaving yes. towards people and how they're oppressing. And that could be cyclical. It could happen in every generation. Well, it absolutely yeah. is.
1: There's nothing different about what went on then than what's going
0: on now. So where's the hope then? I mean, that's what somebody would ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, and, But that's the
2: focus of the book of Revelation. Yes. Oh. It, it's all about hope. But the book of Revelation has more worship in it than any other book of the Bible. And the hope is we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. The hope is God's already in charge. That's why it shows that enthronement of God in the in chapter was it chapter four and then right after four, chapter five. And five six, and, yeah. It's the enthronement of the Lamb. And, and yeah. so it's it's that's what's providing that hope. But even though all this bad stuff is happening, there's
0: someone in charge. And yeah. God has
1: control over the heavens, the earth, and the sea.
0: Right. And he has
1: dominion over all things. Okay, three so students. let's define
0: terms then. So people in the audience can can follow us better, because we know, we understand a lot of these metaphors, but many people don't. So, if you go back to Genesis, and you see the role that water played, the earth was empty and void. to vavo, there's chaos and desolation. He brings function to the earth, he brings order to the earth. But then he says something really interesting, and the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters of the sea. And I always wondered, but wait a minute, he already said that he created the heavens and the earth. Why make mention of that? So a connection to the temple that I want to really share here is that in the temple you have the big labor, mm-hmm. you know. And I always wondered, Seah, forty Seah, you know, huge. It's called the yam, the sea. Yeah. Yep. So I always wondered, wait a minute, why do we need a big old labor? Why is it called the sea? Mm-hmm. And I was reading this book. I I can't remember who it was, but I think it was probably Morales, yeah. in which he he stated that. You know, the labor was a sign of God controlling chaos. He had dominion over chaos, and that really made sense. Josephus does say the same thing. Mm -hmm. And like the veil in the temple represented the Milky Way, the galaxy, the cosmos, how God controls from the throne, the temple, everything. So, C can represent nations or chaos. Mm -hmm. Um, Sun, S-U-N, can represent a king. Mm -hmm. Um, What else? So, so many of them. Oh my god! A mountain yeah. can be caused a temple.
1: A vineyard. A vineyard is, a is a garden that's right. Garden is a temple. And, trees, and trees are, are kings. kings. And, I mean, we can just you know actually. But you know
0: we need to really define these terms. I agree. sadly, sadly, for example, just something that we've been reading lately, is about Yeshua cursing the fig tree. And for many years, people trying to figure out who in the world, who, who, what does the fig tree represent? If we would understand all the way from Genesis what the trees represent, and we read the story in context when we understand righteousness and justice, and the corruption happening in the first century, and the duty of the leadership to lead them in righteousness, and we see that Herod, like you mentioned earlier, Herod, and then the, the, the Romans, and then the priests, they were all corrupted. They're not producing fruit of righteousness. Now Yeshua turns over the tables, and they're saying, "You guys are losing the essence where you're supposed to be." And now he goes by the tree; he's not producing fruit. So the fruit—that so means that the tree represents the temple leadership in Herod. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: My yeah, my professor pointed this out. He you know he had come up with their own stuff. I came up with all this stuff, and he's like, "You you you didn't mention Yeshua inspects the fig tree, then he goes to the temple." and inspects the temple and overturns the money changers, and then he comes out and curses the fig tree. That whole thing was all about that tree. That whole episode. Well, wait
0: a minute, did I miss something? He inspects the,
2: the fig so, tree? So the, narr- the way the narrative flows, he he's coming into Jerusalem, he inspects the fig well, tree.
0: Well, I need to see, I missed it.
2: <laughs> he goes in, he inspects the fig tree, and then he goes up to the temple, casts out the money changers and basically puts a stop to the sacrifices for, for right. a, a short period of time. And then, after he's done, he comes out, and that's when he curses the fig tree. Well, and, 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 the, and one more thing was interesting is, it wasn't even the season for the fig tree to bear fruit right? when he's there.
1: Right. Well, and then we understand it in his role. I mean, when he goes into the temple in John, chapter 2, Passover, after the wedding at Cana thing, which is a whole other story, but he is overturning the tables... He is declaring himself to be king in that sphere. Like, imagine, I mean, he was stepping on their, t- their toes. He yeah. was coming in there, he's the king, not them, and they are in a panic. Because this, this is the true king of so, Israel. So he
0: was a threat to the whole system. Total threat oh, yeah. to like, the whole system. Sounds like system. what's going on now. Yeah, a
1: little <laughs> bit. Huh? So he
0: could, he, could, he could ruin the whole, the whole uh, corruption they're doing. Bringing them to light, um, you see that throughout the whole Gospels, he yeah. he comes into a
2: synagogue and he forgives someone's sin, and they start to walk. And what do they do? They choose. They 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 want to kill him because he's a threat to their power. He's a threat to their system. That,
1: I mean, that's big, because wow. anything that's a threat to the power elites, they're going to take out. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they thought they won when he was crucified on a tree.
2: Well, it, it's the same thing with. I just thought about that. It's the same thing with John the Baptist. He was having people rather than go to the temple for forgiveness of sins. He was coming, having them come out to the River Jordan for the forgiveness yes, of, for the Ephesus, yes, as we've yeah. talked about the Ephesus. Yes, yeah, we'll because talk about the that, only sorry.
1: place to have your sin forgiven was the temple. But yeah. that place, you were not going to have your sin forgiven in its current state. Yeah. So yeah, they're going out to the wilderness because that's where the tabernacle was, yeah. the pure place where the presence of God was. Yeah. that tabernacle imagery. We have quite a bit in the New Testament. It's mm-hmm. taken us back to that place.
0: You know, I, I find this so amazing when we understand this this biblical dictionary that we never consider. Um, we have all of this dictionaries in the Bible. We have all these um, transliterations. We have all the translations. We have all the stuff. But yet, no one cares to go into all the idioms and all the metaphors and you know, to understand the Bible in this better context. Well,
1: in my third, so when I'm done my third book, and I, you know, I'm working on a workbook that will go up with all three. We're going. I'm going to have a glossary in there and and explain. That's a good idea. Them. Yeah. So it'll go hand in hand, and then as they're reading, you know, we can see that that flow coming through the scriptures.
0: You know, help that. You know, the, the the book that I have trees and uh, and I forgot the the name now. It's about engineering Eastern right. context of trees as kings. You, you yeah. led me to search more on that. By the way, I'm sorry. everybody knows it was Dina <laughs> Dai who led me to go look into it. So it ruined mean. me. <laughs> but what the guy did, we did really something good. In one of the chapters, I think chapters two, he developed a chart, and there he says that in the Bible normally trees it can be the deity, the land, uh, or the people. Mm-hmm and he began to outline what certain words meant in regards to either deity or the land or the people yeah so I was at a, I was at a congregation in Port St. Joe and they, they gave me the opportunity to do the teaching and expound on it as long as I wanted to before I came here and I added that slide took a picture of it, put it mm-hmm. on my, my presentation I spent probably about an hour explaining all of that plus all the biblical examples because I knew I would get to Daniel 4. Yeah. And Jeremiah 31... I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, e- um, Ezekiel.
1: Okay. It talks
0: about, you know, Egypt. Right. As, as a tree and the, all the... the, the so now, Ezekiel 28. Yes. Wait a minute. Ezekiel 28 now has a different connotation. Totally. Because totally. Because instead of thinking about Satan, it's talking about a king. King
1: of Tyre.
0: It, mm. It's an actual king. Yeah. You know, and I'm going like, oh, wow. So, it was really cool because after... We went back to one of those chapters, and then we started reading it. And as we read it, people understood, and when we got to a key word, they knew what it meant. Yes. And it's like having a layer and another layer, and then the truth is right under that. But the language they use applies to every generation. We are so removed. Think about it. We're no longer living in an environment of agriculture. Right. So yeah. we have lost it of those because those people were all agriculture-based right. societies. Yeah. So they all would have gone it. Yeah, yeah. So we have a lot of lack of context. Yeah. Uh, but the other the, the thing
1: is, this isn't that complicated. True. I I don't want people to feel like oh my god I'm never going to figure this out and I'm going to you know they'll be in debt of us forever. <laughs> no, but the thing once you understand these basic concepts. Man, people are going to yeah, see it, things in Scripture that we've missed.
0: Well, the the, the thing, up. the challenge, Dina, is, it's not going to be the difficulty in understanding the context. So they're there. The problem is that when you understand the context, it'll ruin your theology. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. the, man, you know, we yeah. talked about this stuff. How many times, Ryan, you and I are studying, and we have to adapt the way we believe in certain things because now it doesn't line up with the context of Scripture. Yeah. yeah. And if we don't change, someone who does study it will call us out. Yeah. And yeah. It, you
2: know, and, and, you, and you have to. I mean, you have to adjust the way that you read Scripture. Yes. Like what you do with it. I mean you know, now we, we aren't just trying to link a bunch of random verses together. Right. This, is, this is looking at, what is, the, what is the author of the book trying to yeah. tell us? And yeah. you know, what is the overall message? Not just of, of the surrounding verses, but the, the whole chapter, the whole well, book, the whole Bible. Well, that happened
0: to me yesterday as I was, I was going over the teaching that I wanted to do. And all I started reading, I, I, in my Logos program, my, my my phone, I have a book on plants and trees. And I read something in, in an article that I was reading about hyssop. It was just really quick mm-hmm. for hyssop was part of you know corpse impurities, mm-hmm. purity, you know purification process. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So now I understood what Psalms 51 says
1: right you so, know again wash well, me with
0: hyssop. yeah
1: Psalms is unique in that we read it as a very you know very poetical book, but it's concrete, liturgical exactly. kingship language mm-hmm. and the and so some of those things you know like this God founded His temple on the waters are like well that just sounds very nice and poetic yeah. but it actually is has a <laughs> uh, defined that's meaning that's right it yeah. means yeah. something yeah.
0: well so I was reading here in verse three it says Psalm fifty one for I know my transgressions and my sins are ever before you against you only have I sinned but he's talking about the levels of sin that are moral in nature that it's death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now he goes back down, and if, you do not, if we do not study temple principles, this is we are going to go over our heads. You think it's a nice poem of repentance? No, this That's is a right. poem of repentance with a lot of meaning behind it. Yes. He says, "Purify me." Mm-hmm. The, the word "purify" is very important. He said with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wait a minute. He is saying, "I'm dead," and yeah. because hyssop
2: is used for leprosy. That's right. Now, Behold, we'll
1: n- mean to know wisdom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've d- done whole work on wisdom, which is an architectural term for building the cosmos. Right? Like, this is no small thing. It Not just at all. grow wisdom out there.
0: So now he's saying, Purify me yeah. with hyssop, and I should be clean. Wash me, and you should be white of the snow. Now, all this verse is like, Oh, take hyssop, take the blood of the lamb, and put it on the doorpost. Because Israel was basically dead. In their in their captivity, right? That well, yeah, and that's um, that's what
2: exile was, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. A lot of times, people hear this, you know, in Christian system, you hear the curse of the law, and they all they all want you to put that on the whole of Torah or the Torah, part of the Torah that was put on the outside of the Ark of the Covenant. That's not what the curse of the law was. The curse of the law was exile.
1: Absolutely. And when you
2: go to Genesis three, you learn that. Exile equals death. Exactly. Right? God says, if you eat this, you will surely die, and they are exiled. and so well, if, you're if you, outside
1: you, the boundaries of the camp, where right. you're exposed, you're outside the covenant, you're, you're exposed you're, to the wrath yeah, of God. Yeah, you're exiled you from the
2: presence of yes. God, and that yeah. is death, even, exactly. if you're, even if you're still alive, just like the leper, you are
0: the walking dead. You're a um, zombie. Yeah. Well, basically, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> oh, Lord. You're going to get us in trouble now, you know. Okay, so now you have now you have Yeshua on the tree. And he's thirsty. And they give him vinegar on a sponge with hyssop. The whole story now makes sense. It's through the work of Yeshua that now we were dead in our transgressions. But now we're purified through his work in order to come near before the Lord again. Just like out of Egypt, they were dead. But they were through the hyssop as a purifying type you know, uh, agent. Now they get redeemed. Now they present themselves among a But you
1: think of that too, because who was the one who said it? Clean, cleansed me with his was King David, right. and here is the son of David on the tree and yeah. being purified in the in the same way, taking on things that he didn't do.
0: That he's taking the moral sin of Israel.
1: Yeah, all of. I mean,
0: think Israel. about that. I never yeah. really thought about it until this. He's really carrying upon himself. Mm-hmm. Um, the morals, because see, David was a king. king.
1: That's what a king was supposed he, to do. That's right. His you sin you, you was take people's responsibility sin. Yeah. for the
0: people. Right. It's the
2: same thing in, in the military. Yeah. You know, I was on a ship that caught fire um, because people were, were improperly storing chemicals in a ventilation duct. Captain had no idea it was going on. He, If he would have known, he would have shut that down instantly. The ship caught fire burned through half the ship, he lost his job.
1: No kidding, Because that
2: is is the the leader's responsibility is to take responsibility for his subjects. You see
1: how it always ends up with this kingship role. Like we are dealing with, the Bible is dealing with kingship in almost every capacity in the scriptures. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, i got to tell you, I, I think that if we do not train and equip the body of Messiah to stop being entertained by worthless topics that all it does is leads us to chaos and more division and more camps within the camp. I, I really do believe that if we start educating one another, we st- like we do, we talk and we exchange, we don't necessarily agree on everything. But we agree a lot more than we don't. Right. And there are times that I'm not agree with you, Ryan. That at the end, I research and going like, Ryan was right, and the same thing well, with what Dina. What was that? Uh, <laughs> no, you only hear it once. You only hear it once. That's it. But it's been recorded. But anyway, for all eternity. No, the, well, the Isaiah 53, you presented that to me. You know, and I thought, oh my, you know, I never thought about that. And I kind of fought you a little bit on it. But then I said, no, you're right. You know, this is something that I needed to adapt. We have to, as leaders and believers, be flexible to the point that when we're wrong, we're wrong, and we're willing to change it. Because if we're not, we're just going to make this another denomination. It's not going to look any different than it was going on now, and it's the same cycle repeated over and over and over. So, you know, we, please learn the metaphors in the Bible. Now, does it mean that just because the Bible uses metaphors as the stories are not true? No, it's trying to convey a message. Yeah, it's
2: telling the story in such a way that there's more going on than just a historical accounting
1: But, but what, the, the writer is writing about a historical account, but he has an interpretation of that account, and yeah. so that's what he's giving mm-hmm.
0: us. Well, so, well, like you said today, he said, and Hilo my guide, always said it. You know, the Bible, Josiah was one of the most righteous kings there were, but the Bible doesn't really <laughs> talk about. Josiah very much, right? Uh-huh. It talks about Ahab. It talks about, you know, all the things Solomon did. It talks about all the, 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 the mistakes of everybody else.
1: Manishing.
0: Right, manishing. Man- 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 oh, my God, man- that guy. <laughs> Jeez. And the Bible talks about him and him. I'm thinking, why? Yeah. He was a knucklehead, you know, yeah. because the king of Israel is supposed to convey the character of God. So the Bible is pointing out this is the type of behavior you're not to do.
1: But again, it's all back to the king. Yeah. What the king does affects the people. Hey,
0: let me ask you a question. Are you focusing on kingship? Uh, no, not me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the natural... Once you learn about the sacred space, yeah. the place where the king's supposed to reside and rule and reign from, it's natural then to move from there to actually look at the person
0: who's supposed to rule and reign. You guys there. are so small. You guys got good teachers, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's pretty good.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, Related to this the the biggest compliment I've got this week was someone said, "How do you manage to connect and make everything so applicable to our lives today? You know you would think the way that we're teaching ancient Near East, going back to yeah. all these metaphors that this would just be all abstract mm-hmm. each each of us here are you know we take these things. But we're, you, the more you learn, the more you're able to actually apply stuff to yes, today's world. I would agree. Because it's not something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's something that is speaking to the state of, of humanity and how we
0: need to change. Well, the well, human
1: heart is the human heart. True, that? that hasn't changed. Yeah.
0: You know, look, uh, it's not hard to see. Uh, the difference between the character of God and the way the, the mandate of Israel as a, as a righteous kingdom versus what's going on in America today. And that's today. the key. That's the key. You just yeah. hit the nail on the head. You know. That's when, how
1: we know that this Israel was different. Yeah. Even though they were in a culture and they, you know, some of the cultural things looked the same, God was different. It was
0: different. You know, I was reading in temple function about the day of um, Rosh Chodesh, which is the new moon, and uh, specifically for Yom Tov and how the some of the sects within Judaism at the time, there was no Judaism, but within the... Mm-hmm. They, they have the um, Beothians. Uh, Bo, I can't pronounce that word. Boethusians. Um, yeah, those guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bothusians. You know, they hired two guys to bring a bad report about the two witnesses. Well, they messed up. They they declare their own day. You can fix it in the next month, but they have to do something because... And the writer made a beautiful comment. They said... They wouldn't worry about it because to them it was like understood that every Israelite had to have integrity. In other words, they have to be a true witness. They were not expecting that an Israelite would even have dared to bring a bad report about something so holy as the, the, time, the start of the month. So now they say, well, we know that their character is not there on everybody. So let's set some rules as to how we can guard the holy spaces.
1: Well, think about uh, the spies coming back. They. It wasn't just a bad report. They were. They were profaning the sacred space, the land. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just okay. Well, you know, it was a bunch of giants there. They were literally profaning that sacred space. With
2: the, the, with these, the ones I'm not going to try to pronounce that word, but the people that you were talking yeah, about, Rico. Like think about what they were. Their agenda. Why were they doing that? Because they were trying to discredit a political party, it was all. Yeah, it was all the same
0: stuff. thing that's happening today. Exactly. Well, and
1: the point I made a point in in one of my sessions is, you know, I know you don't want to hear this, but the Bible is a political book. It's true. I mean, who wants actually, to that? Actually,
0: look at the Hasmonean family. Oh, my God. You know, the yeah. Maccabeans. I mean, they did an amazing job rededicating the temple, standing for righteousness, you know, standing against oppression. Great. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And then, Once they got power, they became <laughs> yes. more corrupt than anybody else.
1: Exactly. And
0: they moved away from their mandate to teach, separate the holy and profane. They became more morally and corrupt than anybody else, I would agree, yeah. and that's why the curse of Herod the Edomite, came yep. in. That's right. So yeah. actually, we earned that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know,
2: so, so their their dynasty ended with them both with it was a civil war that both invited the Romans to take over. That, it was yeah, it
1: was a vacuum, and there, there was. The
2: it, I mean, they 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 sent letters saying come in and take over nations. The Romans didn't come in and defeat them or anything. It was just. Come in and I don't and, think
0: the Romans were even interested until they sent the letter because yeah. I mean, Judea really all they had to do was offer olive oil. But at the time, the Roman Empire was expanding so fast, mm-hmm. I don't think they really needed Judean's uh hills in any way as desperately. You yeah. know, once they got in, they got stuck, yeah, you know, yeah. because actually it's, it's the, the like bridge, Africans. you yeah. know, it was a good but, bridge. But the Romans
2: were, were seafarers, so yeah, they, they didn't, even I'm need, the they didn't need the bridge anymore. So yeah, it's, it's just so sad that you I mean. What started out as this great movement ends up inviting this beast empire to take over...
1: And well, so that animation. is true in every generation. And it's
0: happening yeah. again. Oh, exactly. yeah. I mean, that's what America is doing now. They're mm-hmm. inviting in the, yep. be- the beast oh, of, uh, the of socialism.
2: Yeah, or, or they're asking the UN to come in and step into our political system. Right.
0: I mean, listen, guys, anybody who's watching, I mean, who's listening right now, which you can watch us, but to listen, you know, this are cycles that the Torah quite teaches us how to handle it. You know, the Torah gives us, like I always tell Ryan, I said, you know, when you teach, it's like, tell them who they are tell them what God has done, and tell them where they're going. That's really a message. Mm-hmm. That got that from Scripture. You know, I mean, the Lord tells Adam, you are to have dominion over all creation. You were talking about that today, mm-hmm. uh, Ryan. And um, you are not to eat of this thing. You are to eat of this tree. They didn't listen, so you are in my image, but now you messed it up. Get out. I mean, that's quite that simple. You walk in the command and you obey the, uh, the commandments of the Lord. You have a right to live according to the standards of God. If you don't do it, you're going to be in exile, which means shame, which means death, which means oppression. And then he waits for you to cry out, and then he does it all over again until one day we surrender and we say we can't do it anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean, people really, in. in in their most basic form just want to live in peace, raise their family, you know, go to work. Yeah. I mean that's true in every generation.
0: But you know, this is the one thing that I'm in awe of God of. I go to a lot of countries. I travel a lot. You guys know that. I went to South I went to Australia. You see people working hard to buy a house, to have a family and to live in peace. You go to New Zealand, same thing. Everywhere I've been, the only people who do not want that are the Muslims
1: but even i well, mean, even there within are, them yeah, it, they do in asia the muslim i mean they it's not like in the middle well, east yeah, and they wanna just want to live, live in peace, life in and, peace. And, exactly. and this is why
2: these these empires their their biggest objective when they're taking over people is to destroy the family
1: Exactly. So right, because you destroy the family,
2: started. you destroy the, the the drive, the power of the family, and you make slaves out of everyone. Well, That's exactly what they do. Wait a
0: minute, isn't that exactly what happened to the Spanish, Spanish community in America and the African Americans? the oh, same thing. Yeah. It's just, another form of slavery. Yes, yeah. it is. That's you know, all it is. You make them depend on the government, yep, yep. then you make it easy for them to have abortions, you destroy the family structure, and then you, what do you have? We have modern-day slavery. I mean, it could yeah. be white, it could be uh, Spanish... Black, it's no longer a color issue. No. no. Now it's a generational You yeah. know, I mean, we have this issue. Abortion is the worst type of oppression. Oppressing a baby without not having to live. Yeah. You well, know. Killing
1: the, killing, killing the seed and killing life. Right. Yeah. It doesn't get any worse than that. Yeah. Th- and again, this is all cyclical. We're, this is nothing new here. And people have been dealing with this since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think. When we can kind of explain the cultural milieu of the time, and then we can show them, look, we're dealing with exactly the same
0: thing. So then we can go back to the Bible, and now it's applicable in every yeah. age and every yeah, time. And, and, yeah. and it, 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 the
2: Bible blows up as this book that finally, like, actually relevant. Gui- is relevant. It guides
0: your life.
1: It's, it's actually just... more relevant to me now than it was before. And right? then I'm,
0: That is so true. You know that I, I read it, and I go, I got it. It's talking to me. Yeah. And it doesn't matter when that I live, whether it's... 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, as it is today in the 21st century, is equally applicable. I just have to understand the language that it's using. And, and that's
1: all we're saying. And, and, and now, we're, tr- yeah. we're trying to pull it out of the religious realm and put it back into its sort of kingdom realm. And
2: now all these theological arguments don't matter because exactly. it's, it's not about having the right theology. It's about... No teaching us how to live.
1: And I think bingo, that's a real key. And I think people are hungry to get it out of the religious, theological, Well, we need doctrinal. to make that difference. We need to make exactly. that. We
0: We need to uh, make a, a stand for context instead of stand for theology.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: look, I know what I believe. I know what I believe. I'm strong in my belief in Messiah. I'm strong in my belief in the Father's God of Israel. I will forever defend the land, the people under covenant, the temple. Forget it. Don't even touch it. I get upset. You mess with the temple, you mess with my Father's kingdom, my Father's throne. I will defend that until I'm no longer alive. I think even when I'm dead, I'm going to try to judge the temple. You know, I'm always going to because that's the temple of God, and you know that uh, I've been pushing that agenda for the longest time. Now it's starting to catch steam. People are starting to really say, "Oh, wait a minute! Oh, wait a minute!" Because then, when we show them the temple from Genesis, they're going to say, "Wait a minute! We never saw that before." So, quick question: The the, the temple
2: is the pattern of creation. It's the pattern of God's plan for restoration of humanity. I mean, if, you don't, if we don't understand that, we don't really understand the Bible.
0: Well, just to know that the temple will be restored, but not the temple that we, are, that we were waiting for in the millennium. That would be. But the one that I'm waiting for is after the millennial reign, when the whole earth will become a temple again, the way it's supposed to, sacred space.
1: Well and that is the uh, culmination of what Yom Kippur is supposed to be mm-hmm. the fine, the one day Yom Echad, in the unity of heaven and earth where there's no longer because the temple was a, the temple was this space between heaven and earth where you had access to heaven mm-hmm. and you you know you, when that is removed that boundary is removed then you know this everything is restored to one and that's mm-hmm. the, the sum total of Yom Kippur.
0: So how does it feel knowing that the Father is using you guys as a point of restoration to biblical context? <laughs> well, no, no, I mean, it, yeah. it, it is kind of overwhelming. It's kind of it, funny it if you is, think about yeah. it. But if you really, really pay attention to what we're teaching, it's... we are taking the Bible and we are basically saying, guys, we are looking in the wrong direction. We need to come back to the Bible itself and the cultural background.
1: You know. Interesting. There's because a three-four fold cord is never broken. Mm-hmm. There's no way one of us could do this all alone.
0: There's oh, no yeah. way. Yeah, there's... I tried it. No, I had to call Ryan. Hey, man, can you help me with? You know, people don't know how Ryan started, right? I met him in Minnesota.
1: Minnesota.
0: Minnesota. <laughs> I'm in Minnesota, and there I was doing a teaching. And actually, what really impressed me about him was I made a connection. I thought I made a connection with Jonah, and I. I used the wrong time sequence and he came up to me afterwards in a very respectful manner and he actually told me and I checked it out he was right and I told him thank you for the correction you were right and I fixed it you know I did fix it then when I started studying studying, uh, engineers Daniel McGurr he shared an article with me he turned me upside down I spent six weeks 12 hours a day looking into it then I got in touch with Brian and I said hey man will you and Daniel help me with research just homework I need you guys to study this area because I don't have the time to read all those things. Maybe you can just help me sift out which articles to or not to read uh, and make it easier for me. But then I noticed that they're learning it very well, and they're really excelling on that topic. But one of the things that always happens to us when we only look at one thing, we become very narrow in our thinking, only thinking about that. And because I was reading everything else, I was able, But you haven't considered this and this and that. So I decided, no, we need to share what I'm learning with them. So they started teaching on my website. How overwhelming was it back then? That's only seven years ago, six years ago. So, yeah, it was six years six ago. Six years ago. I mean, look how far we've come. It's come a long way, baby. Yeah. Yeah. And remember when we were doing Engineer that you heard me on the revive, remember? Mm-hmm. And, and Dina goes, Yeah, I've been studying that forever. You know, but. And, and it's I mean, ca- you got my book, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming out in it's two years. It's coming out in two years. You know, but, but it was kind of good because now I'm going and studying something you already understood. But we are going deeper into it. And now we went from that to righteousness and justice. Mm -hmm. From that to honor and shame. Mm -hmm. From that to first century context. And now I think the new creation thing is taking it to a different level. Because the new creation perspective that Christianity is teaching is correct. But the conclusions is not connecting with Israel.
1: Well, that's Ultimately. because they, they're not looking at the not creation looking at from Genesis. Right.
0: They're only yeah. looking at it from this perspective. I know some of the main guys teaching Honor and Shame is the same thing. Yeah. yeah. They don't that, connect it with Torah. They have that narrow vision like right. you're talking about. They well, only so this look at is, their is
1: uh, We are able to be a bridge between the scholarship community. Um, those guys are never going to get their stuff much past their peers. Yeah. And so we, we have been given the opportunity to take that material... And because of our walk, our tour, observant walk, we're we're able to put it in a way they never will.
0: That's true. That is very true, by the way. And I think the key here is that people see us working together, exchanging together, learning from one another. Look, um, I'm a teacher, you're my teacher, and we're students to, to one another. And I think that when we continue that, people will catch on to it. And not for our credit, because we want to be accountable. And I, I don't, I'm not afraid to say that Joseph Good has been one of my biggest influences in how to approach the temple study and even Amen. all the topics I never even thought he knew. You know, he's a living genius you know and, and then I talked to you about something and then you mentioned one little thing and it messes me all up and then I talked to Ryan one time he mentioned something about new creation of the temple course and I'm going like yeah I've been studying the principle but I never connected it with the language and then all those verses that we study now start falling right into play yeah. so really quickly we have to finish our session here and I like to think we're gonna have, we are gonna have to do more of this because I think it's important for the audience to see us work together
1: yeah and so you know we did this at by the fireside uh what night was that? I don't remember. A few days back but in Sukkot. I mean, Succotti. I cannot even begin to tell you how many people have come up to me and had said how much they enjoyed mm-hmm. it and they want to see more of it
0: but you know why we don't compete with each other right ours is not a competition we are here servants trying to share and grow from one another because you say something that I'm going to go back and look it up and I want to learn I truly honestly want to learn you know and with that being said Dina tell us about your books i promote your <laughs> website
1: <laughs> okay every you time answer. you talk to Dina I got a chapter on that
0: chapter have you read chapters five <laughs> well how
1: do you have you uh, so you know uh, the temple revealed series first book temple revealed in creation second book temple revealed in the garden and in process the third book temple revealed in Noah's Ark trilogy and it's gonna be an accompanying workbook oh nice when I fi- finish it and I didn't see the need to have three workbooks because the the concepts are the same in each book yeah, so yeah, I gotcha. just get them through that so uh, go to Amazon that's the easiest place to buy them
0: you're also going to be in my temple course I Come am on, put in, most that. in
1: January uh, Best temple course on the planet, January the 10th, 10th to the 13th. Okay, in Orlando, Staybridge Hotel, very close to the airport. Best food you'll ever eat, yeah. most fun you'll ever have. And if you like to dance, well, that's the place. Amen. And we have room, I think, for just a few more. From yeah. What I understand, actually, we
0: have we have about twenty more right now. Okay, we're expanding a little bit more, so I'm hoping we have more, and more. And Ryan, tell us about your website. Where we can get you now? Yeah, so I'm I'm now on faithofmessiah.com. I used
2: to be unrooted in Torah, but uh, decided due to some circumstances to change that over. So. Yeah, I've got got tons and tons of information on their torah cycles what what I'm really passionate about right now is the gospel cycles going over the all, you know, just chapter by chapter the gospels and Rico we've been working on that together too. Yeah. Um and I'm getting We into have the to do trouble. one together. Yeah, we do. Uh, there's, there's, I mean, the Gospels are just amazing. Yeah, is, yeah, when you yeah, actually yeah. go back and read them in depth, rather than just kind of skimming them,
0: Matthew is yeah. never going to be the same for me. <laughs> oh, no. it should. From be, chapters yeah. one to the last chapter, it's unbelievable the amount of information I was learning yeah. that I never saw before.
2: I, I couldn't even. I mean, I was, I was doing two to three hours on right. videos because it's like just so much information. It's a lot more so information, yeah. yeah. That's my passion, so oh, faithofmessiah.com.
0: You got it. And you all know, Rico Cortez, wisdommentor.com. And you know, I really do pray that you support our ministries and our websites. It's not very expensive to get in. And I want to make a disclaimer. People ask, well, what do you have to charge all the time? Listen, you know, we have a lot of expenses, and we give away a lot of information. What What, what we charge on the website is so that people, when they come in, they value what we get. You know, we spend a lot of hours. Studying, researching, and we don't mind sharing them. And by you, who so, are uh, um, you know, subscribing to our websites, you know, you are able to help us continue the work and really facilitate for a lot of people. For example, many people don't realize that when they subscribe to my website, I'm also running a 24-hour internet-based Spanish uh, website, in which I have 13 teachers, and I give free airtime, uh, and I give them the tools. But I'll, out of that, now I'm doing a Wednesday morning class that I have closely between 70 to 81 people, 90 people, and 26 of them are pastors from all over seven, eight countries in Latin America every Wednesday morning. So your subscription to our website allows us to also branch out and help others. So I'm really happy for you guys to be here. Thank you so much. And I'm really proud... the the fact that we work together. I pray that we always continue to do this for the honor and for the name of our Creator to be exalted. Because really, ultimately, it's all about Him. It's not about us. So, thank you guys for joining us in that cast And we will try to meet together again, maybe if we can, before we leave. And just have another one. And pick another topic. You know, one of the that once, maybe what's your fourth book is gonna be about. Yeah that,
1: yeah. that could be the temple revealed in the tents of the patriarchs. Yeah, you already
0: got the title? Yeah. Oh, you're killing me right now. We're staying behind, Ryan. We gotta start writing books. <laughs> Alright guys, you have a good one. Thank you so much. Be blessed and continue to pray for us. That we will we continue to develop more teachings and work together. And hey, listen, pray for Joseph good. This man is amazing. He's a really good man. A
1: treasure. A
0: a treasure. Please, go to his website. Check it out. Um, The temple's never going to be the same once you start studying with him. Shalom to all of you and be blessed. Bye-bye.